Amen. All right. Uh, we're on week three of, of, a, of a purity ser- ser- series. And, and do y'all remember what we spoke about week one? That was two weeks ago. Self-worth. That's right. And we're supposed to find our self-worth in that boy or girl that God may intend us to marry one day, right? No. That's where it occurs most of the time for teenagers, especially self- self-worth is found there. We find our self-worth in God. And how much does God think about us? He thinks about us all the time. And does God think that you're great? I don't know why, but he does. Can I be, be, be honest? I know, but it's the truth. I don't know why he, he, he loves me, but he says I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. In spite of um, my shortcomings and shortfalls, he still loves me and he created me. And so we find our self-worth in God and he will love us through thick and thin. Though the world around us will fail, even everyone who you love and know and, and trust, at times they're going to fail, fail you. God will never fail you. Self-worth. So then we took it a different level, and it was more, it, for, as I looked at it, it was harder to, to swallow for a teenager, especially. And that, what was this past week? We, we talked about what? We talked about, man, y'all were like, man, that was such a great message, and no one remembers anything. Praise God. About being unequally what? Yo, yeah, that's right. And God intends for you to be with a believer in Christ. Not someone who just says they go to church. Not someone who says they, who talks a good talk, but someone who loves Jesus. And, and while you're, if you're 11, 12, 13, 14, I'm not saying, hey, you need to be start to get this down. No, but you need to know what God intends for you down the road when the time comes. You need to prepare now. 15, 16, 17, 18, you're starting to look a little bit more I get it, but don't settle. And th- this is across the board. Everybody needs to raise the bar on what you, you expect for your husband or wife to be. You need to raise the bar on, on who they should be. And you yourself need to climb above that bar too. So as you raise it, you make sure you don't just put it up above your eyes, but you're going up along with it. That's what you're called to do. And it's hard. It's going to be hard. So that was this past week. Now, this week... Stuff I'm going to share with you. Some of you are going to say, that is impossible. In the world that we live in, this is, this is nuts. And I agree with you. It's pretty nuts. But I know how big our God is. And what I'm teaching you is not, I don't believe at all what's going, well, this is what Dan thinks because this is what Dan has seen. But what Dan has seen will agree with this much, with, with this. But what this is coming from is God's word and what God's word says. And we're called as Christians and believe believers to take his word and apply it to our life not part of our life but all of our life so let me remind you some things about god's word this is a copy of god's word Ooh, ah right you have your own a lot of you right and if you do not have one can you please talk to me i would love to give you one to have to take home on your own god's word it's made up of how many books 66 book, is, it is split into how many testaments? Two. One's called the, and one's called the, y'all are brilliant, man. The New Testament has how many books? Ooh, got a little tougher. 27, that's correct. 27, we'll act like you were close. That, at least you put a guess out there. I appreciate that. 
And the Old Testament has how many books? Subtract it. 39. Very good. 39. Good job, son. I'm so glad you've been paying attention to the house. <clears throat> and it's written, it's written by 40 different authors over 1,500 years. Okay? The Bible's comprised of this. Okay? So it's just, it, it, we look at it, it's just this, this one little book here, but there's so much that has been poured, so much time and people and lives has been put into this book by God himself. It says it's inspired God-breathed. That means it comes from God. And this is it. Throughout the entire Bible, the message is the same, that God is pure, holy, just, and fantastic. That's what it talks about God. And you know what it says about man? That God made man, but man chose to sin against God. And man is fallen because we all sin and come short of God. And that, that, that t- takes us away from God. And man cannot pay the debt he has. Sin has a debt that must be paid, and we can't pay it. We can't afford the, the debt. But God made a way. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you read about it, that he sent his son Jesus to live a perfect life, to be the perfect sacrifice for your debt, for your sin. And he died on a cross, not killed by the cross, but he was killed by the sin that was laid upon him. And he, he, he willingly went to the cross, and he died on that cross to pay our debt, to make us righteous before God. And the Bible goes on to say that we will live with God, those that believe and have their faith in Jesus Christ for eternity. That's what the Bible is about. So what I'm taking right now, because I want you just to remember the authority of what we're talking from here. Because this is not a great um, popular subject to talk about tonight. But let me start out like this. The Bible's full of warnings against sexual immorality. It's full of them. In the New Testament alone, there are how many books in all? 27. Good. We're, we're learning something. In, in 12 of them, it says to get away from, to stay away from the, the phrase sexual immorality. In 12 of the 27 books. So we're going to look at a few of them. I think I've got the verses on the screen. Galatians 5, 19 says this. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immor- immorality, impurity, and sensuality, okay? Right there. The works of the flesh aren't a good thing. That's a bad thing. That's the thing that goes against God's works of the flesh. Colossians 3, 5 says this. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire. Did our screen go blank? I didn't have that one. Okay. That, that's fine. But once again... Immorality, right there. Put put it to death. In First Corinthians six, do I have that one? No. What's my next verse? That's that's that, that's what I wanted. Right there. First Corinthians six eighteen says, "Flee from sexual immorality." It doesn't say look out for it. It doesn't say be careful around it. It says flee. Not the little bug. It's what you do when you're trying to get away from a big bear. You flee. You don't go, oh, cute, cute, cute bear. You flee. Ephesians 5.3 says, But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. Not a hint. 
names among you. That's in the NIV, I think. That means not even a thought of, not even a chance, not even, not even a hint. The warning's loud and clear. Uh, it's not a suggestion. It's a, it's a, it's a command. When, when the New Testament in 12 different books says this, there's something important we need to apply to our lives. And in the world you live in, it's going to fight against you, against this, in every, every place that you look. And as you drive down the road, as you hear things on the radio, as you see a, uh, you're watching TV and it could be sports and there's a commercial through, through movies, through things at school, through friends, everywhere you look, this is going to affect you and, and, and you've got to make a choice. Now, so, some of you right now might think, man, that, that is strict and that's, you know, I mean, if I live that way, if I live like I'm running away from that stuff, I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb. And can I tell you, you're supposed to stick out like a sore thumb. And if you're not sticking out like a sore thumb, in the culture we live in, there's a problem. You're not getting away from it enough. And I know it's not fun, but that's part of what God says in being set apart and being holy. Now, we're going to read God's word together where it talks specifically about this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And we're going to read verses 1 through 8. And so I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we read this main scripture here together. It says this, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus, that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you're doing, that you do so more and more. He says this in verses 1 and 2. We're not going to really come back to these two. He says, hey, what you've been doing, keep keep it up. Keep doing it because you're doing a great job. Last week, we were in the book of Corinthians where he was going, hey, y'all aren't getting this. You're not getting this. Right here, he's going, hey, you know what you've been doing? Yes, do it more and more. Don't stop. So those in this room that go, man, I'm trying to live this out, and it's, it's a fight. I don't know if I can do it. Can I say the words that Paul says? Hey, keep fighting more and more. Keep doing this more and more. Verse 2, um, for you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God. This is the will of God. So many people are going, man, I just want to know God's will for my life. Well, this is the will of God right here, clear as day. Your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that, that, that no one tra- transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity, but for holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Let's pray one more time. Dear God, we thank you so much for your word. And as we, we run through your truth, God, sometimes there's not a whole lot to say about it because your truth is just so clear. And Lord, I just ask that you will help us all, young men, young women, older men, older women, to seek you and trust you and follow you and uh, fight against this world uh, that, ha- that ha- hates you. 
Uh, and Lord, may we live lives that give you honor. Thank you for your word and your truth. Amen. All right, sit down. First Thessalonians 4, 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Do you know as a believer in Jesus Christ, this is God's plan for you, for you to be set apart and holy for, for him. That's what sanctification means. Big word, you know, sanctification, glory. You know, this is one of those, oh, ha! You, you want to do that when you say this word. Because it's a big word of, of your whole life. It doesn't occur, man, I've been saved for a year, and I've got it. I'm sanctified. I'm done. No, you're being sanctified. It's a process. And what is funny is I have, I believe, grown in my faith a lot. I hope my wife would agree with me. I think she would since um, we first met. And I've been a believer now for 25 years or something. And I think I've grown a lot. But can I tell you now, I look at my life, and, I, and there's so much more that I see. I see I've come a long way but I see more of Dan not like Christ than I ever have before. Is it because I'm falling down more? No, I think it's just I'm, sometimes I think when you understand more of who God is and you, you start to live it out, you understand how far away you are from him. So sanctification, it's a pr- process. And he says this, that, that you f- abstain or, or flee or stay away from sexual Immorality. That's God's will for your life. Do you understand that? You want, I want God's will for my life. N- n- number one, do, do this. You really want it in your life? You need to start to do this now. Point one is this, this little pat, 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 pat passage that we're at. It's, one, it's, it's abstain or stay away from sexual immorality. I know you all are going, Wow. Wow, he, had to, he read that from someplace. Now, what exactly is sexual immorality? It's sex outside of marriage, okay? But it's more than that, okay? Sex inside of marriage is great. God ordained, God created. It's, it's a very good thing. Some of you right now are going, oh, he said the S word. Yeah, sorry. You've got to when you deal with this. The word for sexual immorality is a Greek word, Pornia, you've heard me say that before in here. We get a word in our English language, I forget what it is. Porn is where we get the, okay? So pornia is the Greek word. It's anything meant to bring about sexual desire or lust. Okay, that's what pornia. So let's expand what sexual immorality and impurity is. One, it's physical intimacy outside of the biblical marriage relationship. Okay? The biblical marriage relationship is between a man and woman. That's the biblical marriage relationship. And anything outside of that is sexual immorality. It's pornography, whether it's online, whether it's a book or magazine or whatever. That is sexual immorality. It's an R-rated movie that's okay because, you know... Um, it doesn't really show a whole lot, and, and it, it, the rest of the film, the plot was good, and so it, it's okay. Do you understand that, that when we view that thing, we're accepting sexual immorality in our lives, in a lot of those, those films? It's gawking at, at a girl or, or a guy, no matter where they are. Where you, you see them, you think, oh, they're cute, but then you leer. Your gaze stay, you know, that's sexual Immorality. It's a hamburger commercial on TV. How in the world is a hamburger? It's it's crazy. Um, even 
in 15 years how it, the, the walls have dropped down and what more they allow for you to see. And they go, oh, it's okay, it's, it's good, it, it won't hurt you. Um, it's fantasizing about something from the past or the present. That's, this, these are all, you know, it's a, it, it's a broad, broad scope. Let me ask you this, because I, I, I talk to teen, teens a lot, and I don't really want a response, but let me throw, throw this out there. At what point does funny can't, 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 can't cancel out sin? Okay, at what point does funny cancel out sin? I remember having a talk not too long ago about some youth that were singing Hangover or Hangover 2 or 3. And because it, but they go, oh, it had some, it was raunchy, it was like really bad. But man, it had some funny scenes in it. And I want to go, well, at, at what point does that make it okay? Is there a point? Can we honestly say, oh, well, well, if it's really funny, then, you know, you can look past that because you're mature enough to look past. Does, does God's word say it all? When you're mature enough, you can deal with this fine. But, but no, you know, verse 4, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. And not in the the passion of lust, and that phrase means di- disease condition, like the Gentiles who do not know God. Point two, first is stay away from it. Point two, control yourself. Okay, fruit of the spirit, right? We, we've heard it: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, gentleness, and self control. Right? Have we heard the song? Anybody, when you go through the phrase, you, you hear that song? Okay, I'm just curious because I do every time. Control yourself. But I can't. You can. Get, fight for it. This phrase, I want you to hear this. A teenager who can't control himself or herself becomes an adult who can't control himself or herself. A teenager who can't control themselves is, will be an adult who can't control yourself. And when you wonder why 20 years from now your life is a wreck or 10 years from now and marriage didn't work you, you're, and you don't know how you got to this point, do you understand you're, you're shaping who you're called to be right now? And if you don't learn this now, you won't learn it later. I've talked to too many pe- people who never learned it. And you know what? Even when they've wrecked as an adult, they've still not learned it. We've got to learn to control ourselves. Um, <clears throat> I've done a lot of wrong in my life. Just a lot of stupid stuff. The age of th- 13 or 14, I remember, I, you might not think it's that bad, but I remember I gave my dad the bird, the finger. Uh, he saw me, not good. Uh, at the age of six, I, I snuck my mom's pack of smokes out of the house, went to the woods, lit that thing up and almost died because I choked on it. Never touched those things again. Never had the urge. So when my kids, every kid, when they were, they've turned six, I'd go, all right, try it. No, I'm kidding. And I was like, I, when I was six, yeah, you know, you, you do what you see. Um, y'all heard the story of when I snuck out at night and was in the apartments with the, the, the gangs and stuff, and our car broke down, and we slept in the car and heard gunshots and were scared to death. And I snuck back home, but my parents knew, and it was bad. Done a lot of stupid dumb stuff. But can I tell you, I know of one thing that I did right. You know, and it, it has to do with this issue of self 
control. And I'm going to be real with y'all for a second. Can I do that? Well, I should be real with you all the time, right? Everything I'm saying is fake. Woo! When I was dating a young woman named Michelle Champ- Champ- Champion, that's a pretty good name for our last name, isn't it? She gave that name up for Walsh. <laughs> I must be something special. Um, I was dating her, and I was 20, probably two at the time. And I liked her a lot. We've been dating for a while. And can I tell you what? Thoughts went into my head of, of man, I wanted to touch her in ways that would not give God honor. And I, I hadn't. Some of you are freaked out. And that's okay. You'll be there one day. And I remember I said to her, if I ever touch you the wrong way, because she was an amazing woman. I remember just being so impressed with her love for God. And I said, if I ever touch you in a way that doesn't give you honor or it dishonors God, I said, we will break up, and no matter where lives we're going, it'll be over. As I said this, part of Dan's brain was going, shut up, you fool, shut up, what are you doing? You're closing the door. But I knew this. She was such a strong woman of conviction that she would hold me to that truth. And it kept us pure until we got, we got married. It helped us to have self control uh, and helped me and I've done a lot wrong in my life but that's one thing that I did right and it's it, it, it's one of the best things I could have done and to show her honor and God honor in the relationship control yourself verse 6 says this that no one transgress or wrong his brother or 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 sister it, in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. Do you know that the odds that who you are dating right now or you might date soon, the odds are huge that they will not be the person that you marry? Do we understand that? The odds are much more they will not be the one that you marry than they will be the one that you do marry. And... um. The person that you are going to end up marrying, the odds are they are going to be dating someone else before you. That is the odds. My question is this. How much do you want someone else to mess with your future wife or husband to be? Ooh. How much do you really, really want that? And what right do you have to mess with somebody who is not going to be your wife or your spouse? You have no right at all. Let no one transgress or wrong his his brother, sister in this matter. No one. We need to think a a little bit better. And I like the phrase that the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand. You know, God, God's in charge. God sees all. Don't miss that. We need to, to we need to learn to truly love others, and not like y'all go like I I I love them I love them no stay away from that love dear Lord truly love others, and we need to learn to fear God. You know God is one who should be feared. He loves us, but He's still God, and we lose sight of that. 
There's a, 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 a view of, of the day of the norm among teen, teenagers and some adults, and it's, it's this. Well, if you love someone, like you really love them, I mean like love, love um, then it's okay to be intimate or to live together. I, I've heard this a few. Well, if you, well if, if you really love them, let me remind you something about love. It says in John, 1 John 4, 7, says that love is from God. Okay, first of all, love is from God. 1 John 4, 19, it says that we love because he first loved us. We only understand what love is because God is the one who defines what love is. So that's how we know what it is. So can we quit twisting love and using it as an excuse to be sexually immoral because it occurs all the time. I've got, I've got youth. I've, I've, I've married off. I've shared with y'all like a week or two before. Um, 26 times I've done wet, weddings. And I meet with the, these couples for a few weeks, you know, at a time, months before they get married. And can I tell you, I, I, I ask them, how far have, have you two gone? <gasps> you ask them that? Yeah, I ask them that. Because purity is important and God expects for you to live a life that's pure. And if someone's like, well... And I've, I've I've talked to someone that would go, we're we're living to together, but we're going to um we're going to go ahead and get married and, and make it right. I'll say to them, well, y'all need to split up before the marriage. If if you're really serious about this, you've got no right. There's no excuse for. Oh, well, I love them, so it's okay for me to do this or that. There's no excuse. Quit using that as an excuse. Verse seven: For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. If you disregard this truth, you understand you're not, you're not, you don't diss me. You don't be like, oh, Dan, just shut. The scripture is clear. If you disregard this, you disregard God and his, his spirit that's in you. The, the Bible, it gives a lot of examples, but there's two of them that jump out to me uh, about two men that dealt with sexual immorality in their life. One dealt with it the right way, and one dealt with it the wrong way. And the first one who dealt with it um, in one of the ways, his name is David, known as King David. And what is he best known for? Goliath, Goliath right? He was a shepherd boy, not important at all. Everybody's scared of this giant. He goes, he says, my God is big enough. He's got faith of a giant, and he goes and slays a giant for God. Does amazing things. He ends up, he becomes king. He has all power in his hand. He has everything that he could want. His, his armies are at war, but he's at the palace. He's, he shouldn't be at the palace. He should be at war with his men, but he's not. And he's there, and he sees a woman, and he falls for her, and he sleeps with her, and she becomes pregnant. This is King David. This one who was all out for God stumbles hard and crashes. She gets pregnant. He panics, so he brings her husband home. He he comes home, but because he loves the men that he he works with so much, he refuses to go in his house, and he will not sleep in the same bed with his wife because of the respect of the men that are on the front lines to fight for the king. So David gets mad. He sends him back out. He goes... He, and he tells the ones that are in charge, he says, hey, send this guy, let him go out in the front lines and then back everybody else back so he's killed. 
So David, to cover his sexual immorality, his sin, he has this guy killed. King David, great man of God, does this. Some main things I want you to know in the story. First is this. Anyone can fall. Anyone can fall. Those that have done the greatest things for God. I've known great men who've just fallen, who I've worked beside, I've walked beside, and, and I was stunned. And it reminded me, you know what? Anybody is this far away from crashing, and we've got to fight to live for God every day. We've got to put up walls to protect ourselves every day. And this is the second thing. David writes a psalm. It's Psalm 50, 51. It says, create me a clean heart, pure heart. Oh, God, renew a right spirit in me. Cast, away, cast me not away from your presence. He, he says, take, take me and make me white as snow. And I want you to know this. Anyone can fall, and God can redeem no matter these circumstances. No matter where you've been, no matter what's occurred in your life, God can redeem no matter the circumstances. Now, this doesn't give you an excuse to go, well, I'm just going to live the way I want to with the world, and when I grow up, then I'm going to go to God. It doesn't work that way. Your heart's never really going to get right back with God. If you've got that intent right now, you're never going to draw back to him. You make the decision now, I'm going to fight to live for God. King David, first example. Second, a guy named Joseph. We read about him in, in Genesis chapter 39. He's one of a lot of brothers, and they don't like him because mama likes him the best. Gives him a coat. You might have heard the, the story. They, they go. They're going to kill him. They think about it, and then they sell him to, to some, some slave guys that are, are going by, and he goes to be a slave in Egypt for really just about the rest of his life. He goes there, and in the story, we see a couple things. And we don't, I don't think I've got, I don't have these verses, but I'm just going to tell you the story. He's, it says in verse 6 of chapter 39 that Joseph is handsome in form and appearance. I mean, good-looking dude, evidently. All right? And it says this, and I'm just going to read the story. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph. Now, his met. met a master was in charge of the guard, the captain of the guard. And so very high up in his house, he put Joseph in charge, the head ser- 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 servant. And then the captain of the guard had to go off for a few days. And all of a sudden, his wife cast her eyes on him and says, lie with me. Can I tell, tell you this, guys and girls, if anybody says to you the phrase that they're not your husband or wife, lie with me, Run. There's no thought you need to do. You don't need to ponder it. It's not going, hmm, what's God's will for my life? Run, flee, abstain. He says, it says, verse 8, but he refused and said to his, his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house and has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this? wickedness and sin against God. He even saw this, not even going, hey, how can I do this and sin against this man who trusts me? He says this, how can I sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her 
to lie beside her or to be with her. But one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men in the house were there in the, in the house, she caught him by his, his, his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household, said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came, he came in to me to lie with me, and I cried out in a loud voice. Did Joseph do the right thing? Yeah, yeah. In the midst... In a moment where he could now understand, I think it's interesting. David, a man of great power, well known, he had everything he could want, and he crashed. Joseph, a servant stripped of everything, the lowest on the level, he was in charge of this household, but he was still a slave. And he chose to do what was right because he wanted to honor God. Interesting characteristics of these two men. You know, when have you ever had? Do y'all have like y'all remember elementary school where fire, fire, fireman Bob or somebody would come to your school and go, "Okay, boys and girls, what do you do if you get caught on fire?" Did you, did y'all ever have that? Stop! Stop! Drop! Yeah, stop! Drop! And you see on like uh, it used to be on the show Cops or you know Bad Boys, Bad Boys. What you going to do? Cop show where someone would get on fire and they just start running. Ah! And you're like. Drop and they're not dropping. You know, so I guess we panic. You know, I don't want to really try on myself, but you know, stop. You stop, drop, and roll. Why do you do that? Put out the fire. Put out. Can I tell you, in your lifetime, as you grow up, as you find the spouse to be, there's going to be fires that are going to come all around you, and it might not be as clearly as a phrase "come lie with me," but it's going to be in many other ways. Okay. It might be a voice in your head just goes, hey, it's okay to go online and take a look at this. Hey, it's okay to go this far if you love them. It's okay to do this. It's okay to do, to do that. And can I tell you, you've got to tell your mind, stop. This starts in the mind. It starts really right now for some of you to choose right now. When that day comes, don't wait till that day to decide what you're going to do because you will fail. You've got to be prepared. And what you do, you've, you stop you drop everything, and you run out of there. You roll out of there as quick as you can. Stop, drop, and roll. You are going to need to practice that for the rest of your life if you really want to get this right. Sexual immorality, it's all around us. All around us. But God still says, I'm bigger. God still says, I'm worth it. God still says, hey, look up at me. Don't look at all the rest of the stuff around here. I've got such a plan for your life. Find yourself worth in God. When you start to look on who you're supposed to marry when that day comes, raise that bar up high and make sure they love God more than they love you. And not just God, but Jesus and a relationship with Jesus. Because I, I heard this, oh, but they said they, they think God's real, so they must be a really strong believer. And you're like going, oh, you little poor stupid thing. No, come on now. Wake up. And it's worth it. Don't, 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 don't settle. Why? Because it, it's worth the wait. It's worth the fight. And right now you need to start to decide. I don't care where you've been. I don't care in this room what you've done. 
Because my God, he's a redeeming God who can forgive all. And he can take that heart that you feel like, man, it's tainted and it's bruised and it's gross. And he can make it pure. He can make it perfect in his eyes. And that's what's most important. Fight for it, guys. And when times get tough, stop, drop, and roll. Stop, drop, and roll. Let's pray.